0: You're listening to The OddsCast, the original UFC betting podcast that's straight to the point. Hosted by leading MMA odds maker, Nick Kalikas, and MMA journalist, Brian Heminger, they provide you the absolute best UFC betting info, picks, statistics, and analysis from the most respected authority in mixed martial arts betting. Oddsbreaker.com.
1: don't place your wagers without us. Welcome to The OddsCast. I'm Brian Hemminger, joined today by leading mixed martial arts odds maker, Nick Kalikis of Circa Sports, to break down this Saturday's UFC Fight Island 3 event, which takes place on Yas Island in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emigrants. If you're unfamiliar with our format, Nick and I will break down the fight card from top to bottom, providing extensive analysis and a pick for each fight after doing our film study for the event. UFC Fight Island 3 features a 15 fight card in total and will be aired on ESPN Plus and ESPN this Saturday night. Let's dive right in. Now, kicking things off on the preliminary card is a bantamweight fight between Nathaniel Wood, who is 16 and 4, and John Castaneda, who is 17 and 4. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far?
0: A couple quick notes here, as always, before we get rolling. Head over to UFC Fight Pass and check out UFC On the Line. We did, uh, for UFC 251, actually, we had a show, and it covered all the Fight Island fights, and this is the last event that we did kind of touch on a little bit so it's probably worth checking out UFC on the line on UFC Fight Pass so make sure you head over there and check out our episode for UFC 251 Fight Island. Also, the opening lines that I'm quoting are from Oddsbreaker.com, Adam Martin's article so those are the market prices for these openers for this UFC card and the updated lines that I'll be using are from CircaSports.com, Circa Sports in Las Vegas. So that's going to be the uh, openers and closers that we are using or updated odds say that we are using and kicking things off as brian mentioned we have wood minus 365 castaneda plus 255 that was the opening market price and right now looking over at circa sports we have wood minus 400 to come back and castaneda at plus 325 so line margins have tightened up a little bit Um, from the opener this line did shoot up to almost minus 500 now we're seeing it come back down to minus 400 or so and as you could tell Um, The market price did open a little bit lower, so more action coming in on Wood early on, and now we're seeing some decent action coming back on Castaneda. Uh, some sharp action coming in that way as well. I think the line was overinflated on opener, to be honest with you. I think the market uh, price definitely is a bit high. Um, I mean, Castaneda is a very talented fighter, a Combate Americas vet. If you look at some of his fights from there, you can see how much of a well-rounded fighter this guy really is. So I know he's taking this fight on short notice, but man, he's dangerous on the feet. He has a really good ground game, decent wrestling, the ability to submit you on the ground as well. So he's going to be giving Wood a fight. There's no doubt about that. He's very game, very capable. So again, line a bit high, I think, overall. But that being said, Nathaniel Wood's one of these prospects that's legitimately getting better fight by fight. I really like what I see from this guy. His stand-up is improving. He is a little bit hittable, though. That's, you know, one flaw I think I see in his game. His defense could definitely get a little bit better. But as far as his wrestling, that's improving. I mean, he has, he has good offensive capabilities for sure. He's got a good ground game, and he has a finishing ability as well. So I do think you need to make Wood a favorite in this fight. I think he's on the rise. He's only going to get better fight by fight. Um, and especially now, I think he's going to be a little bit more motivated, uh, due to his recent, you know, loss. And I think he wants to get back on track, obviously, and and get everything back in check, um, and and get back on track and that hype train rolling again, sort of speak. So I think this is a very important fight for Wood. He's going to come in. He's going to be focused. Castaneda is going to be a very game opponent on short notice. So I'm going to pick Wood to win this fight, but I think it's going to be a war to be back and forth. And at the betting window, it's certainly a dog or pass situation.
1: And I'm going to go with Wood as well. I mean, this guy is super talented and I had him ranked in the top 15 and he was right there with John Dodson before he got clipped in the third round of that fight. Um, so, I mean, he, if he goes ahead and ends up winning a decision, he's potentially top 15, top 10 even in the band and weight division, uh, instead. So, uh, you know, this guy is a very good grappler and he's got pretty decent striking skills as well he just doesn't have a lot of power on the feet but uh he does have some good technique and you know where he really does have the strength is uh the takedowns the the ground and pound the top position control dominant positions and especially submission skills uh you know this guy can just put people away when he gets them to the floor and i think Um, at some point he's probably going to do that. Uh, Castaneda is stepping in on short notice and while he is pretty talented, um, and he does have some power, uh, I think that he's going to have some trouble here. And unless he catches Wood napping at some point or just, you know, lands a really good lucky shot, uh, I feel like Wood's just going to overwhelm him and either get a submission or maybe even a TKO on the ground. So Wood's going to be my pick. Now, moving up to the welterweight division, we have Ramazan Amiv, who is 18 and 4, taking on Nicholas Stoltz, who is 12 and 3. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmakers perspective on this one?
0: Amiv opened minus 245, the comeback on Stoltz at plus 175. And right now, looking over at Circa Sports, we have Amiv minus 385, comeback on Stoltz at plus 315. So another spot where the favorite did get bet up a little bit, more action and more support coming in Amiv's way. I totally understand it. Another tough spot to make your debut in against a, a savvy, savvy vet and Amiv at this point. Um, I I think Amiv is just a tough out for most people with his grinding style. He's got decent ability and technical skill on the feet, but the way he puts everything together and kind of looks to grind his opponent and take control of the fight, it's kind of hard to stifle and hard to stop. So Stoles, I think, is a very impressive fighter. I mean, looking at the film, he's a fighter's fighter, meaning that this guy comes to fight each and every time. He listens to his coaching well. Um, He goes out there and he performs. He's always very game and he's always in the fight. I think his movement on the feet can give Amiv a lot of problems. Um, And I think he's got you know, that kind of fight IQ and finishing capabilities as well. Like, so he'll he's not going to give in, even if this fight is kind of a tough fight for him and he is getting grinded out. I mean, he's going to be game up until the the end of the fight, I think the end of three rounds. I think is going to have trouble uh, stopping Stoles in this spot. I think it probably does hit the scorecard. So a uh, lot to like about Stoles. I just think stylistically it is a tough fight because Amiv is going to probably be able to control it a little bit more, pin him up against the cage, get some takedowns. And even on the feet, it'll be fairly competitive. And Amiv, I think, will be pushing forward. Stoles is going to be kind of on his back foot and utilizing some of those angles that he can be effective in, though. So this is a pretty good fight. Um, again, line's probably a bit too high because Stoles is better with, than what the current line indicates at this point but hard not to pick Amiv in this spot. So my pick is Amiv to beat Stolz in what should be a pretty good fight.
1: And I'm right with you. Uh, Stolz is talented and he does have the ability to win this fight if he can, you know, catch Amiv. But, um, you know, he Stoltz is stepping in on about two weeks notice and I just don't think that... Emiv is going to stand and trade with this guy for three straight rounds. I mean, that's pretty much Solt's best chance to win uh, because he is a pretty talented striker. Um, but Amiv is able to also not just strike, but get takedowns, work you over in the clinch, ugly the fight up. Um, he's been able to win uh, some relatively ho-hum decisions uh, for the most part. And uh, I think that he'll just be dragging this to the floor and getting the win. So my pick is going to be Amief. Now dropping down to the women's Bantamweight division, we have Betch Kohea, who is 11-4-1, taking on Panny Kianzad who is 12 and 12-5. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted
0: things so far? Kienzad opens minus 115 to come back on Cohea 105. Right now at Circus Sports, the line is Kienzad minus 150 comeback on Gohea plus 130 so Kianzad with the love early on action going in her way hey let's face it Gohea is one of these fighters that you kind of love to hate I think the overall MMA community is totally behind that aspect or that narrative for sure she just doesn't get a ton of respect at the betting window I think as far as her UFC career from top to bottom she's been a very underrated fighter I like Gohea as far as her ability to get in there and hang with some really talented fighters she climbed her way up to the top got a title shot didn't work out well for her but I'm saying she's a very capable fighter and a very respectable, I think, opponent for most of these ladies. I just think in this fight it is a tough fight. I can understand why people were betting Kane's odd in this spot. Um, I think she's the better boxer here. Her, she's getting better. She's on the rise. Where Cohan has kind of plateaued a little bit. I know Cohan is coming off of a very. Um, solid win for her. I mean, a big win for sure in her last outing. But I, I think still in this fight, Kanzad's going to be keeping that steady pace up for three whole rounds and having that jab in her face and following up with her combinations. And I think this fight does stay up. And kanzad's just going to be a step ahead of Kohea on the feet. It'll be competitive. It'll be back and forth. And Kohea's going to be game. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised along the way if Kanzad does land enough and, and kind of hurt Kohea as well. Kohea has been absorbing some... uh you know, some punishment as of late, and, and it's been affecting her for sure. But that being said, she's still tough as nails for the most part, um, and she's a game fighter as well. So like I said, it should be a pretty competitive fight. Obviously, it's a competitive line still, even at minus 150, um, but I think it's a favorite or pass situation, despite you just can't go too nuts with it, because if it does hit the scorecards, it could be 29, 28, or we might even see a split decision type of fight. So be careful as this line kind of climbs a little bit. You don't want to really lay that much juice on this fight. You got to be cautious with the price that you get and the amount that you bet. So my pick is Kianzad. I think she does get the win here over Kohe, and it'll be a pretty solid win for her if she does.
1: And I'm right with you. Koheya uh, is, you know, she's been able to pull off some wins that I didn't think that she was going to get, uh, like most recently against Eubanks, uh, the Jessica I win, but um That's because she does have this ability to ugly fights up and try to get her opponents to, that might be a little bit more technical than her to get into more of a down and out type of brawl where, you know, a little bit of the skill goes out the window. Um, But against Kianzad, I mean, she is a really solid technical striker. I've actually uh, really grown to appreciate some of her skills Um, and... I think uh in this fight she is just gonna be by far the the superior striker she's got uh superior boxing superior kickboxing and she's able to I think uh outpoint Koheya and utilize her distance um Koheya is gonna be pushing forward trying to sucker Kienzad into something a little bit sloppier but I just don't think that is gonna fall for it I think that she'll uh stay on her bicycle and keep pot shotting away and uh, I think that she'll work her way to a decision victory here. Uh, Koheya might make it close if she can just throw a lot of volume and be aggressive and uh, and uh move forward, but I think Kianzad should get the points here due to her superior striking technique. So my pick's going to be Kianzad as well. Now, moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Rafael Pessoa, who is 10 and 10-1, Taking on Tanner Boser, who is 18 6 and 1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA odds makers' perspective on this one?
0: Bozer open minus 210, Pessoa plus 160. And right now, over at Circus Sports, we are seeing the line, Bozer minus 250, the comeback of Pessoa at plus 215. More action coming in Bozer's way. Not really that surprised, man. I mean, that performance that he had last time out against Linz was just masterclass. I mean, it was awesome. He's never looked better. I mean, the precision in the striking, the power. It, I mean, he was fast. I mean, I think his physique never looked better. You could tell he's putting in a lot of work in the gym and it's paying off. So hats off to a guy like Bozer because he deserves nothing but the credit for it for all the hard work and improvement that he's made. So this guy right now, I think, is entering the prime of his career. So Pessoa's got to watch out. and He could be in some serious trouble here. I, I think that you got to love what you see for Pessoa overall. He's a big boy uh, in this heavyweight division. Uh, he's got a a bit of underrated power on the feet. He's got capabilities for sure as well. Um, It was a nice bounce back win for him in his last fight, which I think he needed to kind of gain the respect of fans a little bit. And he's going to be a handful for a guy like Bozer. I just think Bozer's going to be a little bit faster. He's going to be landing a little bit more frequent. And I think Bozer's going to be able to keep this fight upright if he wants to, because his takedown defense overall is pretty solid as well. So I just think Bozer's on the rise. And it's just a tough spot for Pessoa. Maybe we're underestimating Pessoa a little bit. Maybe he makes this a little bit more interesting, closer than I think. But overall, I just think stylistically, it is a tough matchup for him. I think if Bozer comes in looking anything like he did, even in that short performance we saw last time, I mean, I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what he's got this time because I think Bozer is a heavyweight down the rise and we have to keep our eyes out for him. So my pick is Bozer to beat Pessoa.
1: Yeah, Pessoa is going to give Boser more of a test than people are giving him credit for. Uh, this guy is uh, pretty talented. He's had a bit of a tough run, uh, you know, debuting against Cyril Gane, of all people. But he bounced back pretty nice in that uh, Hughes performance. And he does have uh, a lot of quick finishes to his uh, record. So, you know, this is a guy that uh, definitely has some skill. Um but with Boser, I think everybody's on the hype train now after what he did to Linz. I mean, I did not think he was going to be able to pull that off. I didn't think he had any power at all. And then he was so aggressive and his striking looked better and he was landing heavy shots. And then he knocked uh Linz out cold. So, I mean, that just blew me away. Um So, uh I think a lot of people are on Boser now. And, and I have to side with him here, too. I mean, he didn't really, you know... To have anything happen to him in that fight, it was, uh, such a quick win. So, you know, he should be able to have a nice quick turnaround and not be affected negatively by it. Um, so, uh, in this fight, um, I do think that, uh, Pessoa is going to have his moments, but, um, I just think Boser is going to out-volume him. I mean, th- that's what this guy's known for is having good conditioning, a lot of volume, and being tough as nails. And I think, uh, He's just going to be pushing a heavy pace, and uh, Pessoa is not going to be able to keep up, and I think uh, Boser just outworks him to a decision. I don't I don't see another crazy knockout, but uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, Boser surprised us before, so Boser is my pick. Now, dropping down to the featherweight division, we have Mopsar Evloev, who is 12-0, Taking on Mike Grundy, who is twelve and one. Now Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
0: Evlo have opened minus two seventy the comeback on Grundy at plus two thirty. And right now, looking at Circus Sports, we are seeing Evlo have minus one ninety-five the comeback on Grundy at plus one seventy. So line dropped a little bit from that plus 230 to plus 170. I understand it. I think it's a tad bit high still despite Evelo definitely being a very talented up-and-coming fighter. I think the guy's a stud, man. I mean, there's nothing really bad you can say about his game overall. I think so far he's been in the octagon with two very tough opponents and he's done what he's had to do and he's looked impressive doing so. I mean, this guy's a complete fighter in all aspects of the game. He's got really good stand-up. He puts it on you. He puts a pressure on you. His, he throws combinations. He's kind of relentless when he pushes forward and keeps a high pace. He mixes in wrestling when he has to. He's got a good ground game. So, I mean, like I said, very quality wins thus far in tough tests to date. So I, I like what I see in Evolo's game. Um, the problem here is I think Grundy, man, I think he's a bit underrated, to be honest with you. I, I like what I see in his game as well. I mean, this guy more well known for his wrestling, obviously that's his background. So the grappling aspects in the wrestling game and BJJ wise, uh, jujitsu wise, he's probably not as slick as Evlov in that department, but I think overall Grundy is still a very capable grappler and a capable grinder as well. So that's going to be an interesting part of this fight to see who can control the ground once on the ground. Obviously, like I said, Evlov with his technical skill set, Um, I I think should have a slight edge in jujitsu, but overall, I think the control might actually lean a little bit more towards Grundy. So on the feet, it's going to be a very competitive one as well. Evlov again, I think is the one that's going to be maybe throwing a little bit more, um, and maybe landing at a higher pace, but I think Grundy's going to be landing the harder punches. I mean, I think Grundy one punch power wise, I mean, his boxing is definitely getting better. You have to watch out for that power. And Evlov has the type of, uh, kind of skill set that he likes to push forward, leave some openings at times. And I think Grundy could definitely take advantage of those openings and, and land some, like I said, some hard punches along the way and, and make this an interesting, interesting fight. So I think everywhere this fight takes place is going to be very competitive. I actually lean a little bit more towards uh, Grundy in this fight because I think that, I mean, the problems he can present along the way with stifling Evlov's uh, grappling and ground game to the problems he presents with his boxing and his power, I think is, is ripe for the picking here. And I I think it's going to be a very tough fight for Evalove in this spot. So I'm I'm looking at it. It's a dogger pass situation for sure. I think the line's still a little bit high, like I said. But, I mean, these are definitely two, two very high caliber fighters. And I think the winner takes a huge step up in the featherweight division towards, uh, you know, potentially a title shot. I'm not saying they're in the mix right now, but these guys are two to watch out for. So very important fight for both of their careers. I'm going to slightly lean towards Grundy, and it's a dogger pass situation in my opinion.
1: And I totally understand uh siding with Grundy because these guys are so evenly matched. Like, I thought Grundy was going to be a grappler only because he never, I don't think, had a TKO victory before. And then he goes out and against Narimani, a guy that's known for his stand-up, uh, stands right with him, holds his own with him, and then knocks him out. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, um I think this time around, though, it's going to be a lot more competitive because... Uh, not only is Evloev just as good of a ground fighter as Grundy, he's, I would say, a, a slightly better striker too. Although, I will say, Grundy did impress me in that last fight, so his stand-up is better than I thought it was. Um uh, Evloev, I think though, is, is a little bit more technical. Uh, you know, this guy can push a, uh, a good pace, he has a stiff jab, Um and, uh, I think he can counter Grundy pretty well here uh, just because Grundy is, a you know, while he does have a little bit of pop and he does have a, a good right hand, I think, uh, you know, he throws a little bit more of the, the looping style. And I think that Evloev can just catch it right down the middle every time Grundy's coming in. Um, and then, you know, I think the ground game is going to be almost a wash. Uh, these guys are very evenly matched on the canvas. I would say slightly Evloev is the better grappler but Grundy might have slightly better wrestling. So I'm not quite sure what's going to happen if this fight goes to the floor. I mean, it could be anybody's game. Um, I, I can see Evloev scrambling a little bit more, but Grundy might be able to take top position. So uh, I can totally understand uh, people picking Grundy because of uh, the way that these guys are matched up, but I am going to very slightly lean Evloev. But uh whichever's the underdog I think that's probably who you should side with for betting now moving up to the heavyweight division we have Tom Aspinall who is seven and two taking on Jake Collier who is 11 and four now Nick what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
0: Aspinall open minus 170 the comeback and Collier at plus 145 and right now looking over at circus sports Aspinall's minus 220 the comeback of collier is at plus one ninety some more actually coming in aspinall's way not really that surprised man i mean digging into the footage here first of all let's just say collier is stepping up to heavyweight he was fighting at middleweight, then moved up to light heavyweight. Now he's fighting at heavyweight. The guy is definitely a talented fighter. I think that he's a tough out for anybody, even in the heavyweight division. I mean, in comparison, it, it depends on the size factor and the skill set, of course, and, and depending on the opponent. I think that's why this is going to probably be a tough fight for Collier in this spot. But yeah, middleweight kind of blowing up to a heavyweight being out for three years, a uh, head scratcher to begin with. So you have to kind of give those factors and lean a little bit more towards Aspinall just I mean with those circumstances alone you got to get some check marks in Aspinall's direction because he's been the more consistent fighter as of late um, even though he doesn't have the near the experience Collier does. Collier has a very impressive resume and, and the, the people that he's fought and the quality of competition overall it's pretty impressive so he's been in there with Very good fighters, much better than Aspinall's resume for sure. But Aspinall, I mean, again, you look at the footage, you look at what what he's capable of. This guy's a very intelligent fighter, I think, overall. He's got really good hands for heavyweight. He's got good movement. So offensively, he's got it, man. I mean, he's got a good ground game. He's got good takedown defense. So it seems like he's a well-put-together heavyweight that can obviously come in here Get this win over Collier. I think it's it's a really well matched fight from the matchmaker's perspective here because you're you're giving Aspinall one of the toughest fights he's ever had against a guy that he realistically should beat in this spot in Collier. So I think that's kind of what it was not catered made for, but in, in that aspect, it's really good matchmaking because if Collier steps into heavyweight division and beats an up and coming prospect like Aspinall, then you got yourself a Collier that could be a threat in the heavyweight division for sure. But Aspinall wins this fight like he should then you know you're going to see him kind of climbing up the heavyweight ladder i think fairly quickly so I like what I see from Aspinall. I think he's going to be too much. I think he's got better cardio overall, um, even though a lot of his fights end fairly quickly. I think Collier does slow down as the fight progresses. Maybe at heavyweight, that m- won't be as much of an issue, but I don't have confidence at especially him being out as long as he has. So overall, I think Aspinall is going to kind of, as this fight progresses, start to pick Collier apart and find a spot to either win this fight inside the distance or if it somehow hits the scorecards, I don't think it will. But if it does, I think Aspinall wins there as well. So the pick is Aspinall, and the line is probably still a favorite or pass situation. You just can't get too crazy with it as it rises as well. And right now it's at minus 220. So there's not much room left to, uh to make a play here if you're going to make one. So I'd get on it quick if so.
1: And I agree with you. I think, uh, you know, Collier just isn't at that same technical level that Aspinall's at, you know, this guy is a really talented kickboxer uh, and he puts people out cold. Um And Collier, while he is, uh pretty pretty good, and he has pulled off a few quality wins. you know this guy started in the uFC at middleweight and he has just slowly worked his way up to the heavyweight division now um I think uh this time around, you know we're not seeing him this is the first time we've seen him since twenty seventeen and uh that's that's tough so uh for him to be moving up to the heavyweight division. And taking on somebody with the striking ability of Aspinall, uh, I think that's asking a lot. And unless Collier is going to be really aggressive in trying to drag this fight to the floor and make it ugly, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets clipped because he's been knocked out before at lower weight classes and against a big, strong heavyweight like Aspinall with really good striking. I mean, he's just asking to get knocked out cold. So, I'm going to go with Aspinall. I think that he wins by knockout probably in the first round. Now, dropping down to the welterweight division, we have Nicholas Dalby, who is 18-3-1, taking on Jesse Ronson, who is 21-10. Now, Nick,
0: where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so far? Dalby open 500 to come back on Ronson at plus 375. And right now at Circus Sports, it's minus 250 for Dalby to come back on Ronson at plus 215. Obviously, the line opened a little bit too high, to say the least. Ronson is such a good fighter, man. That's what makes me mad about this spot here because he's been so underrated throughout his career. If you look at the UFC stint that he had, you know, before he's making his return here, man, what a tough, tough three-fight skid that he went on. I mean, all split decisions, all very capable wins for him. I mean, in there against really good competition. So then, you know, obviously getting bounced from the UFC didn't get enough time to, to, get in there and and prove that he belonged or whatnot, but outside of the UFC, he fared fairly well, fought some really good competition uh, outside of the UFC as well, had a couple losses, of course, but that being said, proved again that he definitely deserves to be on this roster and get another chance and make another run here, but unfortunately for him, he's stepping in on short notice, going up a weight class from lightweight to welterweight against a very up-and-coming fighter in his own right, Dalby, I mean, I think Dalby's made a lot of improvements in his game and his second stint in the UFC, so... A lot to prove here from both fighters, but again, according to the opening betting line to where it's at now, I think right now you're seeing a much more fair line. Dalby should not have been a minus 500 favorite. Um, I think, honestly, minus 250 is probably a little bit high as well. I think you can make a case for this being closer to minus 200 fight. So it is a dog or pass situation because I think Ronson, even at welterweight, is going to give Dalby everything he can handle. But I think as far as conditioning goes, as far as control goes, as far as ground game, there's just some slight edges Dalby does have. Um, over Ronson, I think it'll be fairly competitive on the feet as well, but make no mistake again, Ronson typically does have decent takedown defense and he's got good striking. I think out of the two, he's probably got the better striking, but well, can he keep it up for three steady rounds? I I think Dalby can, and Ronson might start to slow down a little bit. So again, the edge does go to Dalby. I understand it, but it's a dog or pass situation in my mind. You cannot lay the chalk against a guy like Ronson been underrated. Like I said, throughout his career, and he could very well be a live dog here in this spot. So the pick is Dalby. Um, but again, be cautious if you're betting this fight.
1: You got a feel for Jesse Ronson. I mean, this guy is a pretty underrated lightweight, and he had a very tough run in the UFC um, where he took on three guys that were all good. michelle uh Francisco Trinaldo, and Kevin Lee, and lost three straight split decisions um, and then got released. I mean, yeah, I, that just hurts. Uh, thinking about it, how close he was to to making it. Um, but now he's getting another chance um, after an unsuccessful um, PFL run as well. Um, and while he is talented, um, I think the size difference is going to be massive here because he's stepping in on short notice. He's moving up a weight class. Typically, he's a lightweight, and he's fighting at 170 against a pretty big, strong, uh, welterweight in Nicholas Dalby. And uh, Dalby is a very well rounded fighter. I don't really think Ronson has any particular skill that is better than Dalby's. Um, you know, Dalby can push a pace. Dalby has uh, pretty good technical striking. Dalby has pretty good defensive wrestling. I just, I don't really see a path to victory here for Bronson. So unfortunately, I think uh, the UFC return again results in a loss, but maybe finally they will throw him a bone at lightweight for for what he did here by saving a fight. Um, And he'll get get that uh, UFC win uh, in his return, but I don't think it happens here. So Dalby is going to be my pick. Now dropping down to the lightweight division. We have Francisco Trinaldo, who is 25 and 25-7, taking on Jai Herbert, who is 10 and
0: 10-1. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmakers' perspective on this one? Trinaldo opened minus 180 to come back on Herbert at plus 140. Right now at Circus Sports, we are looking at Trinaldo minus 140 to come back on Herbert at plus 120. So line got chopped in half from minus 180 to minus 140. I think it's right now. I mean, it's more accurate than I think the opening price. I understand what people can say about Trinaldo, man. He's been one of the best lightweights, underrated. We're talking about underrated fighters. He's been that. He's just such a tough out. I mean, he's got it all. He's got really good stand-up skill. Um, I mean, vicious kicks. I mean, he lands a kick on you. You feel it for sure. He's got good boxing, though. Power on the feet. He's capable of stopping you there. He's got pretty underrated wrestling, a good ground game, jiu-jitsu skill set. Um, usually, in, in most cases, if you're going to beat Trinaldo, it's putting him on his back a little bit, which isn't an easy task to do. Um, or, or kind of like picking them apart a little bit and, and outflowing him on the feet. And, and that's kind of your path to victory. If not, Ronaldo going to be in your face. He's going to be hard to deal with and he's more than capable of winning this fight. I mean, he's faced the better competition throughout his career for sure. But that being said, I like what I see with Herbert, man. I mean, he's a, and I don't want to say a young up and coming fighter, but I think in, in most people's, um, minds he might be a little bit because, I mean, he's not as well known as Ronaldo, of course. So a Cage Warriors champion Herbert is at lightweight. I mean, this guy has definitely fought some decent competition in Cage Warriors, to say the least. I think if you look at his fights, it's hard not to be a fan of this guy. I mean, this guy is is a true fighter in all aspects of the game as well. Uh, once he starts hitting his groove and in in the flow of his fight, sometimes it's really early as well. This guy's so fun to watch. I mean, he puts everything together so just the right way, you know, so successfully. It, it's just amazing to watch this guy and it's fun to watch him uh do his thing kind of. So I think that's where Trinaldo is going to have a difficult time. If Trinaldo lets Herbert kind of get into his groove with that length, Herbert's going to have a seven inch reach advantage over Trinaldo in this spot. And you know, I believe he's nine years younger as well. So he's trending in a totally different direction. Like I said, I think Trinaldo's plateaued a little bit where Herbert's kind of on the rise a little bit. Now, if you're looking uh, at some of Herbert's flaws and mistakes, I mean, he is hittable. If you look at that knockout loss that he has, it was kind of, brutal. Can Ronaldo replicate that? I think so. I mean, Ronaldo definitely has enough power on the feet to get Herbert out of there, but as far as this fight kind of playing out, I think Herbert can definitely outpoint Trenaldo on the feet. I think Herbert could actually do some damage along the way. He's got that killer instinct, really good fight IQ. Uh, Trenaldo might be able to try to sneak in a takedown or two along the way, but Herbert's hard to keep down even if he does get put down. So I think this fight primarily stays on the feet. And if that's the case, again, with the reach advantage, with the speed advantage, with that diverse skill set that uh, Herbert has on the feet and what he's going to throw at Trenaldo, I think it's to his advantage. So it is a dog or pass situation. I understand why the line dropped to this point. I think Herbert is a live dog, so I'm going to pick him straight out to beat Ronaldo, and what should be an awesome fight.
1: And while I totally do see a path to victory for Herbert here because he is a very dangerous, powerful striker and had a lot of success in uh, the Cage Warriors, um, I just feel like Ronaldo, even at 40, 41 years old, um, he still has a lot to offer. He's still not slowing down. Um, you know, I feel like at some point he's going to, and maybe this is that fight, but there are just too many paths to victory here for Ternaldo. I think on the feet, it'll still be pretty competitive, although I do favor Herbert. Um, but I, I can see Herbert getting knocked out before Ternaldo, because Ternaldo does have a really good chin. Um, but well, I think really where... Trinaldo has the biggest edge is the ground game. You know, he doesn't typically look for takedowns a lot, but they're going to be there against Herbert. I mean, Herbert does not have very good takedown defense. I don't think he'll be able to stop Trinaldo if Trinaldo is aggressively looking to take this fight to the floor. Now, Herbert may get back to his feet, but I mean, those takedowns are going to score points. And if it's competitive on the feet, but Trinaldo's mixing in takedowns, you're going to have to side with Trinaldo. So I think that that's going to be the game changer in this. So I'm going to go with Ronaldo, although I am a little concerned that it does get st- stuck on the feet and that Herbert does outpoint him. But uh, anything can happen, and I just I like the paths to victory here for Ronaldo. Now moving on to the seven-fight main card, we're kicking things off with a welterweight fight featuring Kamzat Chimaev returning quickly who is 7 and 0 and he's taking on Riz McKee who is 10 and 1 now nick where did this fight open and how has the public shifted
0: things so far Chimyov open fine at 600 the comeback of mckee plus 450 right now at circus sports we have Chimyov 1010 the comeback plus 700 on mckee we do have the lowest market price in town If you guys want to lay us a full bet or whatever max limits on Chimioff, please be my guest. Not going to shy away from people laying that kind of crazy chalk. Despite me thinking Chimioff is going to win this fight, obviously the hype behind him is legit. It seems legit. I mean, that performance that he had about a week and a half ago over Phillips was just... Amazing to watch. I mean, Phillips is not exactly a bum. I mean, obviously that was a blueprint and a path of path to victory, how he went about winning that fight for Chimiov. So it looked great. He kept to his game plan and looked dominant. So a lot of people are expecting Chimiov to be the next big thing, the next potential UFC welterweight champion down the road at some point. And, uh, so there's a lot of hype and a lot of importance behind this fight for him. And he's facing a very good opponent McKee. So I mean, don't sleep on McKee. I know again, he's getting outclassed here. He's stepping up a weight division overall. Um, from lightweight. He's, he had a lot of fights at lightweight. He has faced, uh, he's been at middleweight, or uh, I'm sorry, at welterweight before. This is a welterweight fight. McKee has been at welterweight before, but he's fought most of his fights at lightweight. So he's stepping up against a bigger fighter naturally in Chimioff. Chimioff is going to look to do what he does best and just kind of grind McKee out. McKee does have capable standup. He's got a good ground game in his own right. He's got some very slick chokes. So Chimioff has to watch his neck and be cautious and respect McKee's skill set overall because McKee has that finishing capability. But But overall, I mean, like I said, this fight is made in a way for Chimiav to come in here, get another impressive solid win and make his rise toward the top of the welterweight division. I think he does win this fight. I think he does probably obviously finish McKee along the way, uh, maybe fairly cl- quickly. I mean, if you're looking at the round total right now, it's minus, or it's one and a half rounds under minus 210. So this fight is indicating that it's going to probably end up in, uh, finishing in the first round. I could see that happening. off by submission is more than likely the scenario, or maybe he gets a dominant position and starts unloading on the ground, but it's off on the ground. That's where it's at with him. I think he does get it done. But again, what I lay Minus a thousand, minus 1300, minus 1500. No way. Can't do it. Can't do it. So at this point, there probably is a little bit of value on McKee. I'm not saying to go out there and bet it because I don't think he wins, but this line is crazy. And uh, we'll see where Chimayov goes from here. But my pick is Chimayov to win.
1: Yeah. And it's tough to pick against the 1500 favorite. Um, So, you know, I'm not going to. Um, Chimayev is a super talented grappler. I mean, we saw that in his UFC debut. He just completely overwhelmed his opponent. And I think that's probably what he's going to do here. Uh, you know, Nick said that McKee does have some decent grappling and he has not been submitted as a pro. He does have two losses, but neither of them were by submission. He, the last time he was submitted was actually, uh, in his amateur career. He lost, uh, mm-hmm. rear naked choke and an armbar, uh, back in 2015. But, you know, I don't think he's faced any grapplers to the level of Chimaev and especially typically being a lightweight. Um, this guy, I think his best path to victory is somehow clipping Chimayev on the feet. Um, he does have some power. He's won several fights by knockout, uh, most recently won in a minute uh, by, by TKO. And he even has a, a first round uh, TKO victory against Jai Herbert, who you know, we just talked about. So, you know, this guy is legit. It's just a nightmare matchup up a weight class from what he typically fights. And I just don't think he's going to get the job done. It would be amazing. It'd be one of the bigger upsets in UFC history, but I don't think he pulls it off. So my pick is going to be Chimayev. Now sticking with the welterweight division, we have Alex Oliveira, who is 21, eight and one taking on Peter Sabata, who is 17, six and one. Now, Nick, what's the MMA oddsmaker's perspective on this one?
0: Oliveira open minus 170, Sabata plus 145. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circa Sports is currently Oliveira minus 173. the comeback on Sabata plus 153. So a little bit more action incoming in towards Oliveira overall. Um, again, market-wide, we're seeing about one seventy one fifty out there. There's some lower numbers as well. Tough one. I mean, Oliveira definitely is the one that everybody, I think, wants to back, get behind. He's a very impressive offensive fighter, meaning that he's dangerous in all aspects of the game. He had to be this guy on the feet, could definitely finish you. Uh, he's got underrated wrestling to the point where he can get the takedowns. He can submit you on the ground as well. He does have really good ground and pound. So offensively, you got to love what you see from Oliveira. Very dangerous and capable fighter. Sabota, on the other hand, I think he's been out for a couple years. Um, that's kind of a head-scratcher loan and a little bit concerning. But that being said, man, the improvements that you've seen in his game throughout the years has been phenomenal as well. I mean, I'm a fan of Sabota's. I think he's a very impressive fighter overall. I think he's the type of fighter that, again, continues to put the work in and continues to improve overall. And I think his stand-up has gotten to the point where he can hang with Oliveira on the feet. I think his ground game can also hang with Oliveira. And I think as this fight progresses is where he's going to kind of start to take over, and I think he could win this fight and possibly even finish Oliveira before it hits the scorecards. Um, or if it does hit the cards, I think we could see it. type of victory for Sabata in this spot as well. So a lot to like for the underdog here, despite, again, I mean, he is coming in off a long layoff. We don't know exactly if he's going to be up to par or or what we're used to seeing from Sabata in this spot. And he's got a very dangerous opponent. So I think he's got to weather that early storm because Oliveira is definitely going to bring some pressure early on and some uh, dangerous capabilities for sure. But I think Sabata can weather that storm and get the W as it goes. Or I think Sabata can steal it on the scorecards if it does go the distance. So my pick is Sabata to pull off the upset. It's a dog or pass situation. Let's see how he looks.
1: Yeah, it's getting tougher and tougher for me to trust Alex Oliveira. Uh, you know, at one point he was pulling off some pretty big wins and he was on a nice little winning streak. Um, But it really seems like he's starting to fall off. Uh, You know, he lost three in a row, um, you know, convincingly pretty much uh, to, to Gunnar Nelson, Mike Perry, and Nicholas Dalby, uh, before bouncing back with the split decision against Max Griffin. But, you know, in the win against Griffin, you got to remember, you know, Griffin is a bit limited, you know, he's pretty much a striker only and Oliveira is well-rounded enough to mix it up. Um, Savada though, is just as well-rounded as Oliveira. You know, he has a pretty good ground game. He's got pretty good wrestling. He's a decent striker. Um, but I think what he has going for him over Oliveira is the fact that Sabata uh, can go the distance without really slowing down in the third round. And while I do think that this is going to be competitive, because both guys are pretty evenly matched in all their skills, um, what Sabata has over Oliveira is the fact that he can push a high pace for all three rounds. And I see Oliveira fading as this fight wears on. That's happened to him multiple times throughout his career, where he started strong, slowed down, and then his opponent, you know, pulled something out later. Um, and I think that that's probably what happened here. You know, I can definitely see Oliveira winning one of the first two rounds, but I see Sabata definitely winning the third round, and it just boils down to can he win one of the first two rounds, and I think he can. So I'm going to go with Sabata. I think he wins a decision here. Now, moving up to the light heavyweight division, we have Paul Craig, who is 12-4-1, taking on Gadsimurad Antagulov, who is 20 and 20-6. Now, Nick, where did this fight open, and how has the public shifted things so
0: far? Antigulov minus 125, Craig plus 105, and right now what we're seeing over at Circus Sports is Craig minus 130, the comeback in Antigulov at plus 110, so line flipped, Craig becoming the favorite. I'll tell you what, man, Craig, you cannot count this guy out. you got to respect this guy. I think at the beginning of his career, a lot of people weren't taking him serious as a fighter, but what he's done as of late, I think you have to definitely take your hat off to Craig because, man, I mean, the guy brings it. He's there to fight. He's there to finish the fight, and he's dangerous and he's capable. He's going to be four inches taller, uh, six-inch reach advantage over Antigulov in this fight. Um, and again, he showed us a lot as of late. I mean, his who would have thought he ever would have got a draw with Shogun Who I understand Shogun is at the end of his career and uh, he's on the decline but still i mean that's a huge win for craig so that being said craig hangs in or has gotten late finishes in his career as well he's just dangerous everywhere the fight takes place probably has better conditioning overall probably has better stand up a little bit antigulf has more of that maybe crazy one punch haymaker power on the feet a little bit um he does tend to get gas a little bit as the fight progresses um he is kind of a early Gonna finish you early, or, or kind of gas and, and not finish you, and have problems as it as it goes late type of fighter. So he's definitely a front runner in most cases, and he, he's capable of finishing the fight more times than not. Though in that kind of short time span, I mean the guy's super aggressive, especially on the ground. Um, He's got six, six submissions. So this is going to be just a crazy fight as it lasts. It's not going to go that long, I don't think. I think one of these guys are definitely going to get a finish. I think people are kind of sleeping into into Gulov in this spot. Everybody's kind of leaning towards Craig because I think he has looked more impressed as of late, but stylistically, I think this could be a very bad matchup and dangerous matchup for Craig early on. I think into is one of those guys, like I said, early on, I think he'd come out aggressive and he could actually finish Craig probably by submission Um, on the ground here, maybe land something crazy on the feet as well to get it there or just get the, the fight to the floor and ends up uh, grabbing Craig's neck and putting him out. So I like Antigulov slightly here, but man, is this going to be a crazy fight? It should be one of the best fights uh, because, I mean, we just don't know what to expect. It's going to be a wild one for sure. So my pick, I'm going to go against the grain, going to go against all the Craig believers here and uh, pick Antigulov to get the uh, what should be a, a crazy win, I guess.
1: And I'm in the same boat. I mean, you really can't trust either of these guys. Uh, they both have been finished very quickly multiple times now in their UFC run. And they also have multiple really quick finishes on their records. Um, uh, neither of them has a particularly good chin. Um, neither of them is a particularly good striker, although Craig has made some strides in that department. And he has had some moments on the feet in his UFC run. Um, and then on the ground, they're both sensational. I mean, Craig has multiple quality submission victories. And um, Antigulov was just putting people away in a minute in both of his first two UFC fights. I mean, Antigulov hasn't even seen the second round yet in his UFC career. He's got two first round submissions and he's been knocked out twice in the first round. So, uh, I mean, this one could honestly go either way. Um, It just boils down to, I think, uh Craig being a little bit more of a technical striker and just being a little bit more experienced striker. And I think that that's why people are siding with him. But I still believe in Antigulov's ground game. I mean, this guy's ground game is ferocious. I mean, he is so aggressive looking for finishes. And, you know, Craig is definitely capable of finishes as well. But I just really think that Antigulov is going to hunt for something and catch Craig in a submission. Um, I could be completely wrong. This could backfire on me horribly. And Craig could destroy Antigulov, um, because Antigulov has looked like crap his last two fights, but I'm going to side, um, with Antigulov here. I think that he gets a. Uh, I think he actually submits Craig along the way. Now dropping all the way down to the women's strawweight division, we have Carla Esparza, who is 16 and six taking on Marina Rodriguez, who and 12-0-2. Now, Nick, what's the MMA Oddsmakers' perspective
0: on this one? Rodriguez opened minus 140 to come back in Esparza at plus 120. And right now, what we're seeing over at Circus Sports, Rodriguez up to minus 180 to come back in Esparza at plus 155 some more action coming in Rodriguez's way. Not really that surprised, man. I think she is definitely the future of this weight class. There's no doubt about it. I think, I mean, there's so much to like about Rodriguez. She's getting better. Obviously, she's known for her striking. She's got a lot of length in this weight class um, over most of her opponents. She's got that tenacity, that kind of nasty skill set, and the ability to finish on the feet, I think. Um, clinch game is outstanding, keeps the distance well, utilizes that reach, and it's just a beast to watch in a good way. I mean, in the Octagon, but that being said, she definitely has a stylistic nightmare matchup in front of her in our Sparza. Rodriguez has had some problems in the past with girls that were able to take down and beat her on the ground. And that's still her weakest part uh, of her game. And she's developing that aspect of her game still. So Rodriguez has made improvements and she's no slouch on the ground, but when you have a more dominant opponent, um, In that specific area, like Esparza is, then it should be an interesting fight. And that's why I think you have to respect Esparza and the lines get a little bit out of hand at this point. I love Rodriguez. Like I said, I think she's possibly, I mean, a future champion in this weight class and women's strawweight division. But that being said... I mean, she has to get through Esparza, and Esparza knows how she has to win this fight. Even though her boxing has gotten better, she's capable of doing okay on the feet against Rodriguez. She's not going to want to stay up there long. She's going to want to close this gap, get inside, try for the takedowns, get this fight to the floor, try to finish Rodriguez on the ground as well. So that's her path to victory and that's the narrative here in this fight, and it's going to be a clear one. So it's going to be whoever is able to utilize her game plan and keep this upright for Rodriguez or take this to the floor for Esparza and uh, is going to get the W here. So I'm going to pick Rodriguez. I'm hoping she does continue to climb up that ladder and kind of tightens up those defensive flaws she has on the ground, especially this will be a great test. So I love the matchmaking here as well. Um, but Esparza, as as, you've got to respect her. and I think it's actually where the price is now. It's probably a dog or pass situation, despite me picking Rodriguez. You cannot lay almost 200 on a fighter like Rodriguez, which you know that she's going to have issues on the ground if, if Esparza is able to get it there. It's a big if, but Esparza we've seen in the past is more than capable of doing so. So dog or pass situation where the current price is now, I'm going to still lean towards Rodriguez to get the do- the W here and, and get her win over a, a quality, quality opponent in Esparza.
1: And there definitely is a path to victory here for Rodriguez. I mean, she is a lethal striker. I mean, ferocious on the feet with good power and a good pace. Uh, and she's long. So if Carla Esparza can't get inside and close the distance and try to drag her to the floor, you know, this could be a long night or even a short one. If Rodriguez really connects with some nasty stuff, uh, that being said, um, Rodriguez so far has faced one fighter in the UFC that had decent wrestling and that didn't go that great for her. You know, that's, that's the one fight that she didn't win and she had a draw against Randa Marcos and Carla Esparza is a better wrestler than Randa Marcos. Um, I would say Rand is a slightly better striker, uh, because Esparza has made some strides in that department. But, um, in terms of ground game and wrestling ability and explosive power takedowns, uh, Esparza's you know got to be right there at the top other than uh, Tatiana Suarez in the in the UFC uh, strawweight division so um this is going to be a huge test for Rodriguez if she passes this then yeah she is potentially title material but so far you know she doesn't really have a lot of quality wins inside the octagon yet uh, her best one was her most recent performance against Tisha Torres um now if she's able to you know pass this test then yeah she absolutely um, could get the, you know, some, a title shot down the line. But, you know, so far she's faced two, you know, people that have good ground games, not just Marcos, but, uh, Calvillo. And in both situations, you know, she was not able to get the win. Uh, the other one was a, they were both majority draws. So I'm going to side with Carlos Sparza. I think that, uh, the takedowns will come. Um, Rodriguez is. Uh, a dangerous striker, but Esparza's made enough strides in that department that Rodriguez might have to respect her striking a little bit, and I think that that will open up some takedown opportunities. So I'm going to go with Esparza, uh, but again, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see Rodriguez keep this on the feet. Now moving all the way up to the heavyweight division, we have Fabrizio Verdum, who is 23-9-1, taking on Alexander Gustafsson, who is 18-6. Now Nick... Where did this fight open, and how
0: has the public shifted things so far? Gustafsson, minus 240, Doom, 205. And right now, it's Gustafsson, minus 345, comeback, plus 285 on Verdum. So people bend Gustafsson up. Hey, look, not surprised Gustafsson is one of those fighters that, I mean, for crying out loud, you look at the peak of his career against John Jones, he was right there, could have arguably won that fight. I mean, just an awesome career at Light Heavyweight. Now he's bumping up to... Heavyweight after it looked like he's on a bit of a decline, to be honest with you, Gustafson here in this spot. I mean, we'll see really what he's about and what he's got left in the tank and what Verdum – can do to him stylistically in this matchup. I mean, it's a head scratcher here. I don't agree with the line being this high, by the way. So I think Verdum gets his fight to the ground. It's a wrap. I mean, he's going to be able to end this fight with Gustafsson fairly quickly, I think, overall. So Gustafsson needs to keep this fight upright. He needs to utilize that length that he's got. And he's the better striker here. Make no mistake about that. Verdum does have a little bit of power. And you can't sleep on him on the feet for sure. Um, And again, he's going to be the naturally like the bigger heavyweight for sure as well. So you got to respect that. Uh, I mean, Gustafsson hasn't looked that great. I mean – in all aspects of the game, so we'll see. Like I said, that's why it's kind of a head-scratcher matchup. I think Gustafson can stuff to take down here, hopefully, for his sake, and uh, and beat Verdum up on the feet, probably get the finish. Um, And Verdum, though, is a tough guy to finish. I know Stipe was able to clip him and make it kind of look easy, but typically speaking, other than JDS loss back in the day, Verdum it does have a pretty decent chin. Even in his last fight, he took some bombs uh, from Malinic, make no mistake about that, and he was able to... I mean, it wasn't looking good for him, and, and he, in result, he ended up losing... That that fight in a competitive but controversial type of decision. But that being said, his chin still still withheld um, a big heavyweight kind of, you know, hitting him and landing pretty flush on him and pretty hard. So I think Verdum does have enough left as far as chin goes. So this isn't going to be an easy fight in that aspect either. But I think Gustafson can definitely – get the job done, or if it does go all three rounds, he cannot point Verdum on the feet and and get the W that way. But make no mistake, again, what makes this fight difficult is all it might take is one takedown or one back take for Verdum to get this W here. So I would not lay it. Um, I'm staying away from this fight altogether. There's probably some value on Verdum with me saying what I said, but I I just don't trust either one of these guys at this point in their career, to be honest with you. It should be a very high-level fight, and I think it's a, a good matchup, and I like it as far as matchmaking again for the heavyweight division with Gustafson stepping up in weight class. This is probably a really good test for him, so I do understand it. I just... In a way, have a trouble like dissecting this fight and, and seeing realistically who's going to win this fight. So I'm going to lean with the favorite here, Gustafson, and it's probably a dog or pass situation. But I'm staying away from it personally.
1: And I completely understand staying away because Verdum looked like complete crap in his return fight after his uh, steroid suspension, PED suspension, um, in the Olenek split decision loss, and Gustafson uh, had a tough loss to Anthony Smith and then retired. Um, and, you know, he was on a two fight losing streak there where in both fights he, uh, got finished late. So, nope. I'm a little concerned, absolutely, about what he has left in the tank. Now, he did have, uh, an exhibition win, uh, last December. So it did, does seem like he was scratching the itch again a little bit. But, uh, moving up to heavyweight, uh, saying that he's, you know, got his motivation again. He didn't, you know, putting the retirement behind him. Um, it's tough to trust, but he is younger uh, by a pretty significant margin than Fabrizio Verdum, and he is still a really good striker with some decent pop in his hands. And uh, while neither of them have particularly good chins, um, Gustavson can still go for three rounds, and Verdum, he was gassing in the first round against Olenek. So um I'm going to side with Gustafson, I think, uh, you know, he did add a lot of wrestling to his game after, you know, the Phil Davis loss way back in his career. So I feel like he should be able to fend off the ground game of Verdum because if it does go to the floor, Verdum definitely has an edge there. But I think if it stays standing, even though Verdum is a pretty good striker and has some good Muay Thai skills as well, I think Gustafson can use those, uh, long limbs of his and, uh, outbox Verdum and, uh, put together some combinations and maybe even finish him. So I'm going to side with Gustafson. Now this brings us to the co-made event of the evening. We have a rematch between two veterans in the light heavyweight division as Mauricio Shogun Hua, who is 26, 11 and one takes on Antonio Rogerio Nogueira Lil nog, who is 23 and nine. Now, Nick, what's the mma odds maker's perspective
0: on this one hua open minus 300 the comeback on ogara plus 250 and right now what we're seeing over circus sports hua minus 185 the comeback on ogara plus 160 so line got chopped down pretty good actually coming in on ogara of course it should i mean these are two guys that were one of two of the best light heavyweights in the world for such a long time back in pride fighting even when they came into the ufc climbing that ladder. Of course, I mean, both of these guys, best of the best, all-time Hall of Famers for sure. Nothing bad you can say about these guys other than they are both past their prime and they're getting to that point of their career where retirement is a real issue here. I mean, I believe you know, Gara's 44 years old for crying out loud. Um, I know that Shogun's getting up there in age, but he's still a little bit younger, six years younger, I believe. So that gives a little bit of an edge to Hua. But man, make no mistake, both these guys have been in so many wars throughout their careers. They're even older in MMA years in that regard. So it's hard to trust these guys too. And we were just talking about Verdum and, and Gustafsson in the last fight. Well, I think, and, uh, Noguera here in this spot, very difficult to trust. I think I'm going to lean with, uh, Hua because I think he is more capable overall at this point of his career. I think Noguera can come out there, maybe even finish him and, and have success on the feet with, uh, Noguera, uh, with Hua in this spot. Noguera definitely has some good boxing, but he's, he's, he's slowing down a little bit. I think Hua is going to be able to kind of withstand it and eventually maybe uh, win the striking battle. In, possibly even get a takedown. I know Noguera has a better ground game overall, so that might not be the path of victory for Hua, but I think if he can get top position, he's been working on that wrestling and has improved through the years um, that he should be okay from top, at least, against Noguera, especially Noguera that's slowing down and is not as quick and sly as he was once, once was on the ground, so... I don't know. I mean, it's it's tough for me. I wouldn't certainly lay the chalk even at this spot. Even with the price drop, Hua minus 185 is not appealing to me. I don't think there's any value in that price. You can't lay it because both these guys are past it. It's hard to trust them, even though they're two legends of the sport and more than capable of still finishing uh, one another, honestly. I mean, so this fight could realistically go either way, but I'm going to lean a little bit more towards Hua. Um, I, and again, as far as the betting window goes, I I personally... I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to stay away from it. It's kind of a tough one to call, but I'm going to bet or I'm going to pick, excuse me, not bet, pick who are to get the win over Nogueira.
1: Yeah, and this one could go either way because again, we're in a situation where two guys are nearing the end of their careers. Um neither of them can take a shot like they used to, but they do still have power, they do still have some technique. So, um on the feet, this is anybody's game. Um the last time these guys fought, Noguera almost finished Shogun in the first round, I think, but Shogun ended up uh working his way back and winning a decision. So um honestly, it's a complete toss-up. N- neither guy I would trust to be thrown in there against the regular fighters in the division, but since they're fighting each other, it's okay. Um I mean, I wouldn't be sad if this was a double retirement fight, but they probably will not do that because they love fighting and... You know, there's not much you can do about it. But uh, regardless, you know, Shogun did win the last time. Um, I think Nagara's chin is a little bit worse at this point, although both guys have been brutally finished um, quickly by multiple people. Um, but I'm going to go with Shogun. I think that if a finish happens, I think he can clip Nagara and get it. And uh, while I do think it could happen either way, I think Shogun has a little bit more left to offer at this point. So Uh, He still has a little bit more of that uh, explosive athleticism in him. So I'm going to go with Shogun. Now, this brings us to the main event of the evening in the middleweight division. We have former champion Robert Whitaker, who is 20 and five, taking on Darren Till, who is 18, two and one. Now, Nick, where did this fight open and how has the public shifted things so far?
0: Whitaker minus one thirty five till plus one fifteen. The line skyrocketed up towards Whitaker. Till was decent plus money. Then we're seeing it climb back down to a pick 'em fight, uh, minus one ten either way. Now we're seeing it climb back up to the current line over at Circus Sports. We have Whitaker minus one twenty nine. The comeback until at plus one o nine. So heading back towards the opening price, I think we'll continue to see this line kind of go back and forth a little bit as we get closer to fight time. It seems like the trendy side or the more opinionated side at this point is Whitaker. I think a lot of people are keeping faith that he's once what he once was. I mean, as far as championship level and that Robert Whitaker, that was just so good to watch on the feed. I mean, those Romero fights were just classics, both of them. Um, But I do think that that's part of his issue right now. I think those fights that he had, those classic wars with Romero uh, for the middleweight title were such brutal fights for him. I think that took a lot out of him despite him getting the wins in those fights. Uh, I'm just not sure what that did for his career. I mean, mentally, he's had issues. He's had some physical issues after that as well. Um, I have a ton of respect for Whitaker. I mean, the guy's cashed me a lot of tickets throughout his career. and He's such a great fighter. I'm glad he was able to wear that middleweight strap. I just have that feel that maybe he's probably done climbing to that that limit and reaching that championship level. I think he's going to kind of hover below that for a while now. And I think that he's kind of suspect in what you can believe and what he's got left in the tank. Maybe I'm totally wrong here, but that's why I don't trust him in the spot against Till. I know Whitaker is more than capable of winning this fight. He's a busier fighter. He pushes such a high pace. He's got the better wrestling here. I think he's a little bit stronger than Till as well. So there's a lot going for him here. And the vintage Whitaker performance would definitely be capable of winning this fight against Till, but I'm not sure we're going to see that. So for me, I like what I see in Till. I think I know he stepped up, obviously, to the middleweight division, had a big win over Gaslam last fight. I, I understand that that was controversial or whatnot. It was a close fight, but still, I think he had to kind of get his mental edge a little bit back after uh, suffering his you know, those brutal fights that he had against Woodley, against Masvidal. I think that kind of mentally took a toll on him as well. So getting back on track against a, a very solid fighter like Aslam, I think was a very good thing for Till. And I think as far as he matches up here against Whitaker, I think it's actually going to be fairly competitive on the feet. I actually think that Till's a little bit faster. He's a little bit more smooth on the feet. I think he could do some damage and it might not take a lot and he get through there. He's a little bit more accurate. I think he could actually do some damage and get Whitaker out of there. So I think Till by knockout is a very very realistic outcome in this fight. So I think he's capable of doing so. And I just don't trust Whitaker, especially right now at this point of his career. So I think Till is getting Whitaker the best possible time that he can. So I think everything's kind of lining up for him to steal this fight. So I know it'll be kind of back and forth. And if Whitaker can kind of hang in there, maybe he could start winning the scorecards and and kind of making this what everybody thinks is going to be a, a Whitaker cruising to a kind of a decision or, you know, winning enough, Clearly that he might end Till, catch Till by knockout as the fight progresses as well, uh, as well. I think he's capable of doing that. Obviously, Whitaker has outstanding knockout power. So these guys are capable of knocking each other out. We could see it end in round one, round two, round three, any spot, really. I mean, these guys are more than capable of doing that. But that being said, I still think in this spot at this time, Till has the skill set and the tools and the edge to get this fight done. So I would make Till a small favorite going into this spot. So at plus money, any dog money at all, I think there is value on Till. So I'm going to go against the public grain right now. And again, everybody's kind of picking and vetting Whitaker at this point. It seems like that's kind of the popular consensus out there. Um, I'll be on the other side. I will like Till in this spot. I think, again, he's just catching Whitaker at the right time. I still have some doubts about Whitaker, and I think Till is going to get the W here. So my pick is Till probably by knockout.
1: And I think this is a pretty evenly matched fight, but I really do still like Robert Whitaker. Uh, my only concern as you know Nick has brought up is that Whitaker did take a ton of damage in those Romero battles uh where you know he won the the title now in this fight the the biggest concern for me is uh you know Whitaker's durability because you know. When he moved up to the middleweight division, it seemed like his chin got so much better and he was able to take shots. And that's what really helped him go on that tremendous stretch where, you know, he worked his way up and became champion and then defended the belt. Um But in those Romero losses or wins, he took a ton of damage and then Adesanya was able to completely take him out in the second round. So... You know, is he going to be able to take a shot against Darren Hill who or Darren Till who hits extremely hard? Um that being said, Till also, you know, was knocked out pretty brutally by uh Masvidal, and then he got hurt by Woodley before that. So it's not like he's, you know, not capable of getting finished either. Um, and, but when he moved up to, to middleweight, he looked okay. And, uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest performance, but he got the win against, uh, Gastelums to, to put himself in this position. So, uh, the, the big thing for me though, is when Till faces really good technical strikers with good boxing, it seems like he does get caught. Um, it happened in the Masvidal and Woodley fight, obviously. And I thought that, uh. Steven Thompson won that fight as well. I thought he should have been possibly on a three fight losing streak, although he wouldn't have faced Woodley if he hadn't beat Thompson. So um overall, I think this is a competitive fight and I'm concerned about Whitaker taking a big shot, but I do think Whitaker, as long as he's healthy and his mind's in the right place. He's the better fighter here. Um, he pushes a better tempo. If this goes the distance, he's going to come on strong late because he just does not slow down. Um, and I think that in terms of pure striking technique, Whitaker's better as well. Uh, my main concern is just that he gets hit with something and then a lot of the technique goes out the window. So um, I favor Whitaker to get the win. But if, you know, all that accumulated damage that he's taken in his last three fights catches up to him, you know, this could be a fight where he starts a decline. But uh, I still think that he's got the ability to stay right up there at the top of the middleweight division and possibly challenge for the title again, you know, in the next year or two. So I'm going to pick Whitaker. So that'll do it for our full event breakdown for UFC Fight Island 3. If we have any free plays to give out, make sure to follow at MMA OB Premium on Twitter because that's where we'll post them first. We also post them on MMA Odds Breaker in the free bets tab on the front page of our website. Um, We can also notify you of our free bets via email alert if you prefer that method. Just send an email to picks at MMAOddsBreaker.com and we'll add you to our free bet mailing list. Remember to check out MMA Odds Breaker Premium. Good luck, everyone, and hopefully the betting gods are on your side this weekend.